Good morning. Hi, I'm Erin. Um, I'm going to have Anne Longnecker come up. We are in 2 Corinthians today. Make sure we're in the right passage. We're in 1 Corinthians 12 today. Um, we're going to be talking about gifts and more than gifts because it's important. So if Anne, you want to come on up? And she has graciously agreed to volunteer <laughs> to read our passage today. Go ahead and stand as we read. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, there may be no division in the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together now you are the body of christ and individually members of it and god has appointed the church first apostles second prophets third teachers then miracles then gifts of healing helping administrating in various kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Thank you. Then you're stuck with a mic that can be on the table. Go ahead and have a seat. So today, we're talking about gifts. The title that I was given was just the right gifts. Um, and then I was reading through and the word that just kept coming to mind repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly was unity. So I want to start in verse 14. Now the body is not made of, of one part, but of many. So Pastor Mike last week talked about puzzles and he told a story where when his wife and his daughter are doing puzzles, he'll walk by and take a piece and then wait for them to realize and then he'll put the last piece in at the last minute. I called that a jerk move. <laughs> you guys can <laughs> judge for yourselves. Um, but as he was talking about puzzles and then this week coming into the office, we were talking about puzzles and yesterday I had a conversation with someone about puzzles and I was interested in the ways that we tend to do puzzles differently. Um, the idea of having one piece left and then somebody just gets to like put that last piece in. I'm like, oh, well that could be Jesus. And like, Jesus is the missing piece and like all of these things. And yeah, that, I mean, that's true, but that's not where we're going today. So um, I was thinking about some of the common ways that people put puzzles together, and then yesterday I learned another way that people put puzzles together. How many in here are puzzlers and do puzzles on a regular basis? 
Okay, so we have a number of you. Um, yesterday I learned, because, okay, I have always done puzzles in that you do the edges first, and then you organize all the rest of the pieces, and then you slowly fill it in. That's how I do puzzles. I learned yesterday, yesterday that somebody does puzzles by sorting the pieces based on the number of notches available on the piece. Has anybody heard of that before? Please let me know. Nobody. Nobody in the room is raising their hands. Okay, so the, the completely new to me, and so I'm sitting there thinking about my sermon, thinking about how I've been thinking about talking about puzzles, and then I'm told that this is a whole other way that people do puzzles. I'm like, oh, there's another way to look at things. Okay, cool. I thought I knew how to do puzzles, but apparently not. So, with puzzles, it's a great analogy when we talk about gifts, because we were put in the places that we thrive, the places that we are meant to be. How many of you have been doing a puzzle? How many times can we say puzzle in a sermon? <laughs> How many of you have been doing a puzzle and you have a piece and you're very confident on where it goes and then that's not where it goes? <laughs> All the time. Um, <laughs> I'm the kind of puzzler who lets my family do most of it and then I'll like come in and like fade in and out because I get bored with it and so like come and do a couple pieces and then like, hey, look, I got that piece. Obviously, you were working on it for like 45 minutes, but I just came and got it. So obviously, I got the piece. But all of these different ways to do puzzles are not wrong. We have different ways of doing things. And it's the same with gifts. At the roots, at the core of it, the puzzle pieces all have to go together in a very specific way. That's how puzzles work in case we didn't know. That's how puzzles work. There are specific ways that they're supposed to go together. And in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So I had this image in my mind of like God holding the box of the puzzles. Like how many of you are brave enough to try the puzzles that don't have the picture? Nobody? No? Okay. The person I was talking to yesterday was like, oh yeah, I got this QR code puzzle for Christmas and you have no picture because if you have a picture, then somebody could scan the QR code and all that stuff. But she was telling me that she, she doesn't always look at the picture. I'm like, hold on. That's such a foreign concept to me. I like having a guide. I like knowing what I'm doing and I like having an idea of where I'm supposed to be going in the grand scheme of things. And that's where I keep coming back to God, Jesus, as my foundation, coming back to that as something that I can rely on. When it comes to gifts, what if we were doing a puzzle? What if it was a body puzzle and with arms and legs, and Jesus is the one that knows how it's supposed to be put together, and we're all just here trying to figure out what we're doing? But it says that we all belong, and it says that we all have a place, but I don't quite know my place. Verse 19 through 24. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the bodies that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are trusted with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. 
I wanna read this in the message because it was an interesting way of reading it that I hadn't thought of before. Starting in verse 19, it says, but I also want you to think how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a giant hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine the eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or hand telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower part, the more basic, and therefore the more necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you're concerned with, it makes no difference whether that part of the body is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you give more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? The way that God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part, the parts we mention and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Sometimes the message is just like, oh, I like that. It could just be a blog post, but somebody chose to call it a translation of the Bible, and it's a beautiful thing. Every part is dependent on every other part. So I know a couple people in our church family in the last couple weeks have had um, emergency gallbladder surgery, and what's a gallbladder? <laughs> I had no idea. I came in and was having a conversation with, um, with my coworker, and I was like, what is that even for? And she can describe to me now what it's for because she doesn't have one anymore. And as we're talking, I was just thinking about how, like, yeah, I would rather have good digestion than a full head of hair. But how often do we not think that way? It's like, oh, well, yeah, all the parts of the body are important, but not that part. Like, we don't want to see that part. I have grown up in the church. Um, I've been going to church my entire life, whether here or other places. And... I have experienced and seen multiple times where I have friends who have what they feel is a gifting that they want to see used and put into practice and encouraged and empowered, and it's, no, not here. No, we're not doing that. I've also had other friends who I got to attend a, a school of worship when I was um, like 22, I think, maybe. And I was put in a cell band. We were, so there were 15 of us, 20 of us in this school. And then we were divided into separate bands. And then we were supposed to like write songs and we were talking about the heart of worship. It was this three month school. And I was put in a band where we walked in and we were going around our circle. There were four of us. And we're like, hey, what's, what's your instrument? Like, what's your talent? What's your gift? What do you do? And we had four vocalists. And one of them also played guitar, but she felt like the Lord had told her not to for this season. So we had four vocalists. We looked at the other band and one of them had a drummer and a keyboardist. One of them had two keyboardists and we're like, okay, cool, you have instruments. We're like, okay, we'll figure it out with four vocalists, harmonies, here we come. 
it was so easy in that season to look at the other band and to see all of the different things that they could do with the different rhythms and the different voices and the different musical abilities and think, ah, cool, we're just doing what we're doing. We'll see what happens. I was envious of what other people had, for better or worse. So gift envy, I wanna talk about that a little bit today. Wanting the gifts that others have. Gift envy takes away from the gifts and the work that God is doing. If I'm regularly focused on the things that I don't have, I'm gonna sit in a pile of goo and probably wallow in self-misery because that's the kind of person I am. Um, and that's not living out who I was meant to be. <laughs> that's not living out the calling that I was given. That's not living out the giftings that I was given. When I, when our band, as our band continued going through this summer and going through the season and writing our songs and then performing in them, and then at the end of the summer, we had this showcase thing we were, where, we, where we recorded one of the songs from each participant. And my band, we had somebody who was able to play guitar by the end of the summer. We had somebody who was able to like play djembe and she got to grow that. And we had four-part harmony, which I'm a choir nerd, <laughs> six years of choir at Centralia, and I love choir, I love harmonies. Acapella is, it's a gift to humanity. And I got to look at my band and where we had come from at the beginning with like, uh, we have no idea what we're doing, to the end of the summer where we got to record this music that was primarily vocals. And we had gotten to work into what we were doing. So on the flip side, not flip side, but another side of gift envy is gift projection. Assuming others have the gifts, passions, and visions that you have. When thinking about gift projection, it's really easy to look at a situation and assume that everyone is on the same page as you. To be completely frank this morning, I would much rather be speaking to a group of teenagers. I have done that a number of times, and I love teenagers. I love working with the youth and being a youth mentor. Um, I have gotten to spend time going into juvenile detention and talking to those kids, and I would much rather stand in front of a group of teenagers than stand in front of a group of adults any day. Any day. And I think everybody else does too, right? Everybody loves teenagers. Right? Yeah? <laughs> Thinking about this, if I love working with teenagers. I'm good with working with kids as well. But not everybody likes that. <laughs> not everybody has that gifting. Not everybody wants to do that. And not everybody would prefer to talk to teenagers over talking to adults. And so with that, it's easy for me to assume, because I like it, or I'm good at it, it everybody else wants to too, right? Like, that makes sense, yeah? No? Not all of us have the same gifting, so not all of us have the same passions and the same places that we were meant to be or the same places that we're good at being. And that's okay. Let me just make sure that that's heard. It's okay if you don't want to work with teenagers. It's okay if you don't want to stand at the door and greet on a Sunday morning. It is okay if you have zero desire to cook in the kitchen. That's all right. We have amazing people 
in our body, that when we're all working together, we have these ministries and these things that are going and happening and working that then get to go into our community and remind people of who they are in Christ and get to share that with the people around them. When we have our greeters at the front door, we can greet people and know that there are people here to say, hey, we're glad you're here. When I and my fellow youth mentors get to go down and be with the the teenagers in the youth group, we get to look at the teenagers and say, hi, you matter, I'm glad you're here. Those are the giftings that not everybody shares. We're all in different places in our lives. We're all at different passions, different places, different focuses, and we're not meant to be the same people. I was talking, I work over at Possibilities Women's Center in town, and I was talking to our bookkeeper this week, And we were talking, we have our fall fundraiser coming up soon, and she's like, yeah, I have to fill out this tax form before we give the winners their prizes, and it has to be filled out, and then there's six copies that I have to make different. She lost me at tax form. Um, And so we're talking about this, and I'm completely dumbfounded by the idea that there's like this form that has then six different subforms and something, 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 I don't know. I'm like, Janice, I am glad that you are here because she likes that, relatively. I mean, I don't think anybody really likes tax forms, but she likes this space. She likes this gifting. She likes doing the books and making sure that everything's balanced and doing things well. I would much rather put things on a website and work on graphic design or (laughs) work with clients, and that's something that I enjoy doing. So recognizing that it's okay to have our different focuses, different passions, different plans. And with knowing that we're different, it's also important to make sure that we have people around us to help confirm our calling and our giftings. If I were to walk up to my people and say, hey guys, um, I'm thinking about starting a zoo. First off, I'm just that out there sometimes that I feel like they would be like, why? (laughs) Okay, like go for it. But at the same time, they would look at me and they would probably say something along the lines of, Why? A, you already have too many things going on. (laughs) And B, you already have other ministries and giftings that you're passionate about that are already going. Like, why are you starting this thing? You have cats, but you don't know about animals. (laughs) I've never talked about being a vet. I've never talked about learning these things. Like, that's just not something that I've ever done. That's not something that's interesting to me, really, usually. I have people around me who know me and know my gifting, so I've gotten to do life with, and they're ready to confirm the things. If I were to go and say, hey, I wanna start this youth conference because I wanna talk to teenagers about who they are in Christ, and I wanna talk to them about their identity, they would look at me and they'd be like, cool, let's do it. It would be a completely different response with a group of people who know me and know my passions and know my giftings. So that is why It's important to have people around us. So back to the combating or the gift envy and gift projection. How do we combat that? It's so easy for me to assume that people want to work with teenagers or coffee. I love working with coffee. Like, let's go. Not everybody likes that. So how can I remind myself that not everybody has the same gifting as me, Just because somebody has a gifting that I like and see and envy, that's not mine. I would argue 
or what I hear pastors say often, I would submit to you today that it has to do with the way of love. 1 Corinthians 12 ends with, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And then it jumps straight into chapter 13. We have annoying little numbers that like break it up for us in the Bible. But without that, it says, and I will still you, show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we will prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I don't think that that was an accident when Paul was writing his letter to the church at Corinth. I don't think he said, I'll show you a still more excellent way. Let's talk about love for a little bit. It has nothing to do with gifts. What would it look like if the way that we were loving our community was actually calling out the gifts and the things that we need and the things that people are passionate about. What if when I am getting to know my people better, they're spurring me on into being a better person and being somebody who they know that God created me to be? What if I'm doing the same for them? What if I look at my friend and I see that they're doing something completely not within their wheelhouse, something that they're not passionate about, and we say, hey, that doesn't seem like a great fit. How can I help you? How can I help us figure out where our giftings fit? How can I put the gallbladder back where it's supposed to be? And I still don't totally know what a gallbladder does. How can I put the gallbladder back and have the gallbladder doing gallbladdery things instead of doing eye things? <laughs> if we all have a perfect part and a perfect place and we've been placed in this thing, because we've been gifted with certain spaces, how can we encourage each other? And I would argue that it's love. That love is gonna let us then treat people better, treat people well, encourage the body. Then when we say, hey, come to church with me, it's not, hey, come to church with me. We sit and we listen to somebody talk for a little bit and then we leave. It's, hey, come to church with me because that's where my friends are, that's where I get to feel alive because I'm loving people and the people that I'm around get to be who they were created to be. And then we get to go out into the community and we get to love people and encourage people toward who they were created to be. So today, you probably just got a text. 
Okay, cool. If you did not get a text, um, it's because we don't have your information. So this is why we get your phone number, because we want to text you in church, even though we tell you not to text in church. Today we're talking about gifts and love and being part of the body. And we're in this whole transition time. And I'm going to invite Carrie Painter up, and he's going to share a little bit of where he has seen his gifting working within the church. Um, and then, so if you didn't get a text, don't worry, we'll explain, we'll explain everything in a minute. If you did get a text, don't follow the link yet. Keep focused. Put your phones down. <laughs> Put your phones down, and we will be getting back to that in just a moment. But for now, here's Carrie. Hello. I'm going to try not to ramble. I'm also going to try to focus on how nervous I am being here so that I don't focus on how powerful uh, this is. So, I have found recently that all my skills, interests, talents, passions, training, and experience, when I pour that into the things I do, only take me so far. I'm only so successful. But when I live out through my spiritual gifts, wow, it's endless. The things I can accomplish, the, the hearts that are changed, the lives that are touched. Every time I take a spiritual gift survey, teaching is at the top. And I think that's mostly because that's my profession. I teach mathematics at WF West High School. I've taught mathematics at high schools for 33 years now. And so I've got some experience there, right? I've got some training, I've got some skills, I'm pretty good at that um, to a certain level. Here in the church, I serve. I believe the gift that I live out most often is my gift of service. It is really hard for me to say no. If something needs to be done, if somebody needs uh, some, uh, to serve on a committee, it's really hard for me to say no. And that's one of the, the negative sides of the gift of service. You may have this gift, you may be one of these people, is you can get, overextend yourself. And it's soon you become uh, a person that feels like, I'm, not, I'm doing all these things, but I'm not doing anything great, right? I might be doing some good, but I'm not doing anything great. It's hard for me to walk past a piece of paper that's on the ground when there's a trash can four feet away, right? That's that gift of service. But when I serve here, um, the reason you don't see me once or twice a week or twice a month is because I'm upstairs. I'm either on slides or on video, helping the video stream go out. And um, I take some of my training. I have, a, I have a master's degree in instructional technology, so I like technology, I'm interested in it, right? I have a passion for uh, writing code and just working with computers, it's a thing I like. But when I take that and mix it with a gift of service, the fact that I'm serving this body by being up there, then I'm living, out, um, I'm living out through my spiritual gift. And so that's why you don't see me down here uh, once or twice a month. Um, that's, that, that act of uh, working up there, serving up there, is my spiritual act of worship on Sunday mornings when I'm up there. I'm serving you and helping us worship God as we go together. I also live out my spiritual gift at work. And this was uh, super evident last year. So I, I use my gift of service through teaching. I believe, I've come to believe that God gave us math to help him understand him better. Where else can you find the concept of infinity but the Bible and a math class, right? Infinity. I believe that teaching kids infinity, teaching people about infinity, helps us understand God better. Think about your geometry class you may have had. 
decades ago for many of us, we learned that lines go on forever in both directions. They're infinite, right? God, God's lifespan is infinite in both directions. We are like rays, right? We have a starting point, and then we go on in a direction. And hopefully that direction is the, God point, uh, the direction God points us. As we move up in mathematics, we studied vectors. And vectors have a starting point and, or, excuse me, they have a direction and a magnitude, right? And so when I think of that, um, I think, okay, I want my direction. I want God to determine that direction on my vector. And I want my magnitude to be great. So when we draw vectors in upper math, some of them are really short because they have a short magnitude. I think of that spiritually as a short effect. Some vectors are really long. They have a great big magnitude, right? A spiritual effect. And the only way to get that really long vector in your life is to live through your spiritual gifts. I use my spiritual gifts of service. I have a class called Career and College Readiness that we meet half hour a, a day every um, four days a week. And I really worked on, we heard about unity today. I really worked on building unity in that group of students over the last two years to the point where this year they're juniors and some of them have gone on to running start so I don't have them anymore. So other students have come in to join the group and they're sitting there in CCR saying, hey, what are we doing here? This is worthless. And the kids I've had for two years that I built unity in are, wait, wait a minute, no, this is, this is worthwhile. And they give them four or five reasons and they always end with, because we're like a little family. So there's that unity. I also um, had a particularly difficult course. It was difficult for the students. The content was really hard last year and they just needed a ton of extra support. And so I decided I was gonna do everything I could to serve them and their freaked out parents to get them through that course. It took me extra time beyond the end of the school year. I had to work another two and a half weeks to get them through, but I got every kid through with a B minus being the lowest grade. There's that gift of service. Your gifts, um, when you take these surveys, you'll get a list of gifts, right? And you'll start to live them out. And it was mentioned earlier that those gifts, as you live them out, they'll be confirmed by the body, right? The body will tell you that, yes, that's your spiritual gift. I appreciate what you've done. You've affected my life this way. And I've seen that in more at uh, school than I have here because, you know, you don't even know I'm up there. <laughs> But I, last year I got more notes than I've ever gotten from kids. I got more comments than I've ever gotten from kids talking about the different things of how the way, they, they noticed, right? They noticed that I was going above and beyond. And just the things they said, the things they said that, about how it changed them, how, what they noticed in my life uh, confirmed that gift in me and that was pretty powerful. To the point that there was a kid there, his mom came to me and said, hey, my son wants to, to invite you to his graduation party. And, uh, and, it, and he said he was, came to me enough so it was okay. And, and I, I was kind of shrugging my shoulders and she said, I had to tell him it's not, it's not until 13 months away. Let's pray. God, you, uh, you got big things planned for this church, and uh, we're, we're excited for where you're getting ready to go and where you're getting ready to lead us. And I just pray that uh, 
every single one of us will be attentive to what you have to say and how you want to lead and guide them into understanding their gifts and their passions and how you can use them in mighty ways. Amen. All right. So, how's that going? Can everyone hear me okay? No. No. That's good. I like that. No, no, we can't hear you. I want you guys to think of you as this microphone. Okay? It works better when I use it, right? Yeah? A lot of the reasons why uh, we're going through this gifts assessment is because we want you guys to understand how you as an individual can impact the people around you in this congregation. And so when you go through this process, remember Aaron said a lot of things that you can do. You can do certain things, but one thing you cannot do is be given the gifts that God has given you and do absolutely nothing with them, okay? Um, so Dave was really upset because uh, Aaron said, don't do it yet. I heard him like, oh, okay. So everyone get their cellular devices out. If you got your text, um, if you didn't get a text, that's okay. We also have physical sheets of paper somewhere here. Right there, there we are. Um, and if you want to go ahead and take the, the assessment, you are more than welcome to start doing so now. If you guys haven't gotten the link yet, uh, if you have your phone and you take it to the camera section and you highlight the QR code, it will also take you there. The other place that you can go is you can go to cccog.com, okay? And up in the corner is a little hamburger on the right-hand side. And if you tap on that, it'll drop down to resources. And if you click on resources, it will take you to your CCC assess assessment page, okay? Uh, talk about gifts for a minute. There are a lot of gifts in the Bible. Um, Aaron only scratched the surface of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's a lot of gifts. Um, this particular assessment is going to go over what we call team gifts. And team gifts are things that are like things that you can apply like service-wise to, um, to the other parts of the body within our congregation. Um, so it'll assess that. When you guys go through and fill that out, you're going to put an email in. Part of the reason why we're using this is one of the things that we were tasked with as part of our overall church assessment is that we need to start doing a better job of taking a database for giftings within our congregation. Um, keep in mind, I want you guys to know that this is not mandatory. You don't have to participate in this, but you can if you'd like. Um, the assessment will ask you a lot of questions. Um, and then at the end of that, you'll get an email if you filled out the email part of that. And that email will be chalked with three things. The three things that you'll see in that email are your top three gifts. Okay. And I know that there's a lot of hands popping up. So we're getting around to you on that. Um, for those of you, by the way, that have already taken that, if you guys want to, you can also uh, take out your cell phone and maybe hand it to someone and they can do it that way as well. Okay. What we do not want you to do is don't be frustrated because you cannot take it today. 
um, that will be on the website and you will be able to um, you will be able to uh, take that at any time as well um, about 15 years ago I took an assessment I was interviewing for a job and they said hey we'd like you to do this assessment so I did the assessment and then they came back and told me I couldn't have the job that was it they didn't tell me anything else I had the results of the assessment. I knew that one of my giftings was teaching, um, but they did nothing else with it, okay? Very frustrating. One thing we want you guys to know is that in the next couple of weeks, we will be, we will be having signups for those who are really wanna dive into understanding more about the gifts assessment. Um, maybe you got something back and you go, I don't really understand that. Um, we're going to have some opportunities uh, in October go through that, go through the giftedness stuff that we've been doing in the assessment to kind of dive into that and help you guys understand that better. Because we know and we believe that, like Aaron said, if uh, everyone's doing the things that they've been called to do, it impacts the entirety of the congregation in a greater way. So... So those are things that we want you guys to know and understand. When you guys take the assessment, the other thing we want you to know too is that this information does get put into our church database and it allows our pastors and staff to see that. So, um, so just so you guys know, that's some stuff that they've got on that end as well.